Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. Today, our focus is again on COVID-19 and how film production is managing through the pandemic. My guests are assistant directors who are, when all is said and done, responsible for delivering the day's work on set. Emily Hogan, welcome to Below the Line. Hi, Skid. Thanks for having me back. Glad to have you. Also returning is Chris Delapena. Welcome. How are you doing, Skid? I see. You as well. And then finally, Vince Duque. Welcome back. Hey, Skid. Good to be back. So for context, let's start with reviewing what each of you have been up to for the last nine months. Emily, why don't you kick us off? So uh, about nine months ago, uh, I was uh, still on Mythic Quest. Uh, we had uh, just done our uh, quarantine episode uh, via Zoom. Uh, and then we returned back to work in August. I uh, just finished out that season and uh, have now just begun a new show for HBO Max called The Sex Lives of College Girls. Well, I'm sure there's uh, more we're going to talk about there, but let's go around the table. Chris, what have you been up to? Um, I was, you know, since I was on a pilot when COVID started. And then uh, in August, I started an HBO Max show called Generations, and I'm finishing that on Monday. Thanks, Chris. Vince, how have you spent the pandemic? I've been really pivoting into more independent producing. I did a, a couple commercials as an AD. I've been really just trying to, I didn't want to AD during the COVID um, situation because I knew it was going to be such a massive burden that I wasn't really prepared to, to deal with. Well, there's a lot to talk about there. And Vince, appreciate having your point of view as far as how things have been working in the indie world versus the studio world. And we can discuss that as a group. Let's start by talking about the role of the COVID team. As uh, frequent listeners to the show know, they've built up these teams that are responsible for all things COVID, but different studios and different productions and different shows are implementing these guidelines in different ways. Tell me about what you've seen as far as COVID teams go on the shows you've worked during the pandemic. I can jump in. Um, having had two different COVID teams now, um, it's actually really interesting how different studios uh, kind of treat the COVID team and, and the rules and everything. Uh, on Mythic Quest, uh, which is uh, Lionsgate show, um, our COVID team, they actually have a company called CETA. Lionsgate has hired to do all of their shows. And so they have um, one of their doctors, scientists leading the COVID department. Uh, we had uh, a guy who specialized in airflow and how uh, particles travel through air as the head of our um, department there. Uh, and then they helped us guide and shape our policy on set to try to make it as safe as possible. Um, on Warner Brothers, which is HBO Max, they they kind of, Chris, I don't know, I'm assuming Warner Brothers is overall on yours as well. Yeah. Um, the COVID department, uh, we actually have a charge nurse leading the COVID department, which is just a very different, obviously, medical position, although they are also medically inclined. Um, and then... Uh, we actually, we had an AD for the pilot and uh, we've transitioned into just another COVID uh, person for the, the main show. Um, but they've been very active in trying to kind of help guide our set policy in terms of how many people can be there, what is actually safe, uh, what is the risk we're willing to uh, take in order to make our days and to make things as efficient as possible while yet still trying to provide a safe work environment um, 
keeping six feet apart and keeping people safe with hand washing and everything else. Um, but both departments that I worked with, both COVID departments, uh, although they were formed slightly differently, have been working very intensely with both myself, uh, the AD department, and all the other departments to try to figure out the best way to work efficiently, but also keep us safe in this very much changing uh, COVID environment. So Chris, as you mentioned, also working on a Warner Brothers show uh, for HBO, did you see similar play out of your COVID team or was your experience different? I mean, I, I've just kind of had one big experience of the whole thing, which kind of kind of evolved into, you know, we've kind of made it, we kind of just figured it out as we kind of went, but it started out really hectic for us. And I have a lady now, Beverly Ward. Uh, she's like a specialist in uh, contact tracing and virus control. And she's kind of our head, her head lady. And, and she really is kind of like mastered the, the fact that if we double mask and shield, then we're pretty much can, are invincible to this. I mean, once we did that, the six foot distancing didn't really, that was, you know, one, one of our biggest problems was the six foot challenge for everybody on the crew. I mean, that was a constant, you know, people telling people we had like poles to keep people apart. But once we figured that out, once we had the double mask and the shield, um, everything really just got really, everybody could just work again. But at first it was really difficult. I mean, you know, we, we really struggled. I mean, I, I, I didn't realize that I was going to actually be in charge of the whole thing. I thought I would just be like, somebody would like kind of inform me, you know, this is your spots. This is how you do it. When you're on the set, somebody be kind of helping, but I was in charge of keeping people alive. You know, it's, it, it was like Vince said, you know, the challenge and the burden of that uh, hit me pretty hard and I'm trying to AD. And then I'm also trying to like do that and, it got to the point that it didn't matter what position or who you were, if your COVID compliance wasn't up to what I st my standard was of my set, then you weren't allowed on the set. And unfortunately, the DP and the director and the script supervisor fell short of that. They thought their jobs were beyond COVID compliance. So, I mean, short of getting fired, I, I really put my foot down and kept them off the set unless they had their stuff on and but then after a while, everybody just kind of got into it. And I kind of acquired two of the COVID compliance kids on the set to kind of come and be my two, uh, you know, people that kind of like wiped everything down, timed when I'm in a room to when I have to exit, kept my air filters flow, kept my air purifiers in there and out, fans, kept the doors open, windows, did all that. Once I got them on my team, we were pretty tight. We got real tight. We got real good. And over the six months, we only shut down because we had a B operator that tested or his, uh, his um, you know, quick test tested uh, positive, but he tested negative for four days straight and we went back to work. But we really never really uh, had to stop for the six months. Was, everybody was, you know, pretty much shutting down, but we managed to keep it together. And that was because, you know, enforcing the, the, the wiping, the cleaning, we have the sprayers come in, we have the time, you know, each set required a different time, who was in it. I also devised this thing where um, there was pretty much 12 people that were around the actors the whole time. It was the two A and B cameras, the boom guys, the dolly grips, myself, the still man. There was about 12 of us that always were there. So we had these like gold tags on our badges that were like 
And then anybody that in that scene that had to be added to that group while they, once the actors took their mask off, we'd mark them down. And then on the production part, we would see in this scene, these people were by the actors and that. So our contract tracing was, our contact tracing was really accurate if, if, if we needed it. So otherwise it just kind of fell into place after months of doing it, people kind of just fell into it. But, but it was really tough at first. I was really, really disappointed in the whole process. Chris, I want to, before we um, sort of expand the scope of, of what we're talking about, something you brought up, going back to the early days, I remember sitting in the conversations with ADs at the Zoom meetings and such, where there was a big fear that ADs would end up being responsible for COVID on top of the AD job, which is already a full-time job yeah. to get the production done. And the idea of the COVID teams was to have that responsibility sit in an actual separate department they did start to say you could hire ADs for that in those positions and the DJ agreed to let ADs do the work, but it was still supposed to be separate. But it sounds like either your first show didn't come together well with that team or something broke down in that intent. In general, open it up. What did you? What did everybody think about the sort of development between AD responsibilities and COVID team responsibilities? Well, I mean, I, I think I just, you know, uh, without naming names, the, my head of the set, my head person on set for COVID was, you know, kind of kind of passive and she didn't really want to take charge and tell me hey you've only got 10 minutes you've got to step the whole room out you know and while we spray down and she didn't want to stop the production end of it and I and I said you have to you know you know I'm an AD I want to make my day but I also need to like so you know I had to just realize that I, it's up to me to really at first to keep people from getting sick and it was all about that and I had to put the AD second until I could really get a grasp on it, I had to put my ideas in second, which was really a bummer. You know, I mean, it, and it never, they kept saying, we're going to get somebody to help you. We're going to get, but they never did. And, and then I realized it was up to us. Chris, I had a, I have a question. Did you feel that you had to pound them to, for them to buy in that you had to take charge or how did that play out for you in terms of the producers? Well, I mean, you know, you you and Skid kind of know my personality and Emily, I, I get hot sometimes and I was really upset about this whole process, knowing that if I didn't really, if I ignored it, people could die. I mean, I, I didn't know, I mean, how serious it could be and 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 it was it was scary. It scared the shit out of me. It scared the heck out of me. And and I and so once I got the contact thing down and I kept visually track of who was actually by the actors when the mask came off. And I mean, my, you know, my script supervisor literally was, took it all the way to the studio because he felt he should be able to walk in while their masks were off. I said, can we just wait 10 seconds for them to put them on? He would, he thought I was impeding his work by holding him back 10 seconds. I mean, those are the arguments that I had with people just to do my job. It was ridiculous. Now he just got it. He gets it now. And we just had to kind of get it. It's like your ego has got to just sit down and like, let COVID happen or we're not going to have a job. But it was really tough for me. And I didn't, it, 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 I was on my heels, you know, for the first week. I really was um, just also dealing with just the pressure of trying to get the show off the ground and nobody would worked for five months and everybody was tired and nobody really, you know, the camera guys were all out of shape. Everybody was kind of at their wits. It was that we're trying to do 10 hour days, which turned into 12. I mean, I, I could expand more about the way we did it, but just one last thing about, when we get to background talking about, we had a really good system for the background, which enabled us to have like, you know, up to a hundred people at a time, you know, because we would 
color coat their their masks and keep them in pods so they would never cross each other's paths. And we'd start we'd test them all four times before they got to us. So we just we spent a lot of money in testing. I don't know if you did that for your HBO Max, but we we did a lot of testing. And we caught a lot of people in their cars before they got to us. Probably 25 people tested positive in their cars in our parking lot before they even got to us. So we, we, we stopped a lot of problems. I want to talk more about the challenges um, all of you faced on set. Uh, Emily, your team, was it similar to what uh, Chris said? Did you have those challenges at the beginning? Or you, you started with that Lionsgate team and then moved over to the Warner Brothers team? Yeah, so we had a couple of different um, uh Mythic Quest, again, was one of the first shows to get back up and running. And uh, I was doing a lot of talking with other ADs who were also kind of trying to get their shows up because we were trying to create a whole new set of protocols, as as Chris was kind of discussing, about how to be safe. And although the COVID team was there to help and guide it, the, they were scientists. They don't know anything about film production. So trying to explain to them about how cameras work and why you in certain scenarios, you just can't keep six feet apart. You know, the dolly grip, if they're operating the dolly, cannot be six feet from the operator while they're they're operating. It just doesn't work that way. So unless you're going to reinvent, which some shows have, like All Rise, I know, has like 20 cameras that they use that are all like a remote operated to get their, their shots. It's a different way. They just recreated the way of, of filming. But for us, we were trying to stick with the style of the show uh, as it was pre-COVID. Um, and so we had those challenges. I also ran into, I, I loved my, my um, supervisor, uh, but again, uh, CETA, which is a company that works with a lot of these big corporations, you know, they have this dual role. One is they want to keep everybody safe. That's their job as the COVID department to keep the crew and, and the cast and everybody safe. But they're also people pleasers in terms of the company is that they want to keep the production going. Um, they want us to be able to complete our production and that that's part of their job too. And so uh, our, our supervisor was lovely, but I, I was always having these arguments with him saying like, listen, I'm the first AD. I want to make my day. I'm going to push you to the limit in terms of trying to figure out a way to get my shot and trying to get it. But I need you, who is the expert, to tell me this is not safe because I don't know. So unless you are telling me, you're going to have to tell me, Emily, that's too far. No, that's not safe. And, and I have to be able to trust you with that. Otherwise, I can't keep my crew safe. Um, and so that was kind of a, a constant back and forth because I felt like, again, he would always try to make it work, which is wonderful in a normal world. But again, I don't want anybody to die. So that was kind of a, a constant battle for us. Um, we had a, a COVID AD, uh, Rebecca Shriver, who was just absolutely amazing. And without having her there to help train our COVID folk about testing and production and who did what and what days they needed to be tested and just helping us out with that. Uh, just even the logistical stuff of this is how you set up on location. You need these tents. You need these things. We never would have made any of our days. I mean, she was absolutely integral to have. And uh, I don't know how we would have done it without her. And she also was kind of the moral compass over in the COVID area. Because again, she was seeing on the ground and she would alert us to when she felt like there were decisions that she wasn't sure were coming from the right place so that we could address them. Um, and again, that I know my entire crew felt 
so much better having her there. And even as I went on to my next show, people were like, can we take Rebecca with us? <laughs> um, so that kind of was a piece. And, uh, you know, we went through this whole process of starting at me talking to the DP and trying to figure out how we could take turns on set and everything else. And we actually had a couple rehearsal days before we started shooting, which was huge in terms of trying to figure out the process uh, where we had our, um, our COVID supervisor watching set, seeing how it runs and trying to kind of give us an idea of when was safe. And kind of what we started with is, okay, this is the baseline of safety. This is where, you know, this is safe. And then how can we make it safer? What are the extra layers on top of it in terms of the onion to try to make it as safe as possible in order to work the way we need to work, but be as safe about it as possible. Um, and it was interesting because when we started, obviously COVID was in a different place and there was different CDC guidelines. So when we started, it was 15 minutes at a time with somebody who was positive um, in order to be considered a close contact. And that kind of guided how we had done it. And actually back in August, I don't know if you guys remember, we were, COVID was still fairly spread out through the community. It was not as prevalent as now. And so that was really informing our guidelines. And um, originally we were able to, with our health and safety officer, you know, we were all masked. We had these very specific rules about, you know, who could be on set again, like Chris was saying with when the actors were there, had their masks off and we had different zones. So uh, when we were read, only people who were being tested three times a week could be there because the actors would be coming in and out. And then we had our green zone, which was uh, basically any of the crew could come in, but we had to do a 10 minute cool down in between when green and red were there. And so all these protocols in place. Um, and that seemed to be working great. Uh, we actually went uh, halfway through our season without one case on set. We had a couple cases coming in that from the outside that we were able to contain, didn't have to shut down. And then uh, November rolled around and everything changed because between August and November, not only did the CDC guidelines change about now it's no longer 15 minutes in the presence of somebody, it's total time elapsed. So 15 minutes over the course of 24 hours. And uh, we had all these new variants coming in that at the time we weren't aware of, but uh, we went very quickly from being able to work with masks and face shields and just with our what we had set up that we were almost working like normal uh, in terms of time, we had, uh, we were doing 10 hour days, which was great just because we were pretty much at that point, uh, keeping six feet when we could, but our sets were big enough that we were able to have grip and electric working at the same time while our cameras were spread out enough that they could be dialing in their shots while everything was happening, um, to by December, uh, basically face shields down all the time. Uh, limitations on the room in terms of having only two or three people being able to work at any given time to be safe. And uh, it was really interesting to kind of see the the evolution of it. And um, I really needed at the end our, our COVID people to step up and say, you got too many people in the room. Because as Chris pointed out, you're doing too many other things. And I was very fortunate, again, to have a department after we had several discussions to say, no, you need to come in and tell us when people are too close. You need to be the ones because yeah. I'm trying to keep the crew safe, but I'm not necessarily watching everybody. And they were very good at doing that. When I moved over to Warner Brothers uh, to this HBO Max show, it was a whole different set of COVID rules. And uh, it's just really interesting because I spent basically 
uh, six and a half months working in one way. And then in January, I had to shift to a totally different, different system, totally different way of working. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, the COVID department on the pilot. So uh, I was not supposed to do the pilot, actually. Uh, I had, there was another AD who had prepped it. Uh, and uh, was taken out halfway through the pilot because of a case on set and was quarantined. <laughs> um, so halfway through our pilot, they called me because I was supposed to be the alternating AD to come in and try to finish it. The DP got taken out in that quarantine as well, along with the gaffer and uh, the key grip. So they basically halfway through the pilot had to bring in a whole new group of people. And I hadn't been a part at all at developing those COVID guidelines and what they had set up on the show. Um, so that was really interesting to kind of walk into a situation where I had absolutely no control over what had been previously set up. We were doing a lot of testing. They had all that testing cadence set up in terms of testing background four days out. Uh, the crew who was in A zone was getting tested daily. Um, and this was in the height of the pandemic. They were shooting this um, mid-January. But they hadn't really done the, the day of rehearsal. I think in order to see what protocols were working and what wasn't. And I think that really had an effect on, they didn't have that time to figure out, they didn't have the luxury of figuring out, okay, what works and what doesn't work. And so it was a kind of a constant battle throughout the whole pilot, trying to figure out number one, how to make our days. It was a pilot. Um, so you have all the regular pilot stuff of just trying to figure out what the tone is, new actors, new crew, new everything. And it, it just made it incredibly difficult because there was this kind of shifting guidance as they were trying, everybody was trying to stay safe and trying to figure out how to be safe while doing it while making a pilot. And uh, again, I was kind of thrown into the mix and just trying to figure out what they had set up and, and how to do that. And uh, Rick Page came in to take over as the DP and he is amazing and just very, very, very covid uh, aware and really was able to, I think, help bring a lot of structure to our show because he demanded from his crew that they be COVID safe. So he was a huge kind of help in that way where our COVID department wasn't quite there in terms of making sure people were staying six feet apart and hadn't set up, you know, room occupancy and everything. But just between myself and him and us being able to just say, this is how we're doing it to be able to keep people safe um, and, you know, we started rotating through. We have very small sets. Um, and fortunately, we were able to to finish the pilot without another uh, incident. But um, it's really interesting because, again, every show, every studio has a different way of going. And every show has different needs. So you kind of have to to work it out and, and see what works for your show and what works for for the environment that you're in um, to kind of make it make it flow. I feel like if you get the camera department on board, it's a long way towards getting your whole crew on board since they often, yeah. even pre-COVID, you know, see themselves for good reason as somewhat in a separate sort of bubble for the work they have to do. We've talked about studio work and I'll we'll come back to it and I'll share some of my experiences, studio, non-studio. But Vince, open up our perspective a little bit here. Talk about your experiences outside the studio system. Well, first I wanted to talk about um, why I was really reluctant uh, to come in back to the studio system. Uh, my, my girlfriend has uh, autoimmune disease and uh, I was really concerned about wanting to protect her and keeping her safe. And I'd been, you know, just listening to uh, the Zoom AD podcast or the Zoom, Zoom AD meetings, 
I, people were going back to work and I was you know, hearing stuff from Chris. I was hearing stuff from second ADs. I was hearing stuff from production coordinators in Chicago. I was hearing stuff from you. And I had visited a set and I, I was just gathering this idea that, oh, the, the COVID compliance officer was essentially to me like the intimacy officer, like somebody who just got a degree from Johns Hopkins for like a, like a Zoom, like Zoom class. And then all of a sudden is the, is the compliance officer. And I felt I just didn't want to deal with a lot of the, the burden of, uh, of the situation. It was to me like getting people to wear their safety vests, right? I mean, it's a pain in the ass to get them to wear their safety vests on location. So I was thinking, what, what about COVID? You know, having to be that person. And I don't know, it's, you know, like Chris, Chris is such a great AD in that he's got such a great presence. And I, I feel like when I get into situations where I want to put my foot down and get into, you know, like do the right thing and have a moral compass, I, something about it, I just, you know, don't seem to have the same kind of rapport I, I, I need to with producers. Um, and I just didn't want to get into those battles. And um, so I kind of wanted to wait in the wings um, and then I got into uh, a couple of independent producing situations and it was a, it was a crapshoot. You know, we didn't have a, a compliance officer. We, I, I looked at the guidelines, the, the, the industry guidelines, you know, that they put out. So I was using that as kind of a, as a kind of a reference point, but we, you know, it was, we, we had people tested, but it was really informal. Um, but they were mostly younger, right? Yo younger folks probably mid 20s and 30s and much more conscientious I, I I felt like whereas in the studio system I felt like you know there's certain departments I feel have a kind of like a, a political leaning potentially that they might like not really regard COVID as something really serious and you know you can't control stuff when they go home and do whatever they do and I just didn't want to deal with that but in the independent situation you know I've done five independent um, projects and They've been great. Nobody's gotten COVID. We, you know, we would do the temperature checking and have everybody tested, but it was really mostly for contact tracing rather than, you know, preventing the COVID. But it, we were, I was really good about keeping everybody six foot uh, apart. Everybody had their masks on and we've had, never had any problems. Um, I, I did a commercial and uh, the producers were really good about doing the, um, uh, uh, the testing and then the testing uh, on the day and we never had any problems there. So, you know, we had, we had probably had like 50 background on the day and um, everybody was really conscientious that happened in San Diego. So, and in San Diego is a town, um, especially partly in La Jolla where people just in general weren't wearing a lot of masks around, but in the production, we were very conscientious. And I, you know, this just happened a month and a half ago. So I think people were really in tune with, with doing all the COVID protection. Um, but I haven't had any problems, but I can imagine just listening to Emily's stories and Chris's stories. I'm like, man, I, I just don't want to, I wouldn't want to be in that situation, you know, just having to bear that, all that burden, you know. Yeah. It's understandable. I, I think when, when I started on Red Notice with Netflix, there weren't a lot of shows going on. And I did have production background, but was not working in AD capacity. And I worked for the production. And I think this is, an, I'm, I'm curious about the experiences. Vince, what I would draw from yours is that as a producer, you can set the bar of how things are going to be handled on set. And with a small group of people who are all conscientious, you can build a team that 
can stay safe from COVID. On Netflix, we didn't know a lot when we were starting up and I built the team from scratch. I was able to hire folks as additional seconds to round out the teams and we sort of built it combination of military and film approach. And we had Netflix safety, but we all worked for the production. I hired our CCO, he worked for me and we were partners in sort of putting these things in effect. When I went to the Warner Brothers show Legacies, Warner Brothers hired and I think, Emily, you suggested something similar. Chris, I'm not sure on your side, but they hired nurses. And those folks did not report up through production. They reported directly to Warner Brothers, who had set up their own sort of structure. And at least on my show, I found the chain of command a little muddier because they clearly did not have set experience. But I was building up the set team. It was smaller, of course. It's TV and, and, and budget and such. But it wasn't always clear where the balance and the authority was on that same experience. And so some tension there that Vince, I think you almost avoid by not having a studio. Now Netflix might've changed their approach by now and everything was growing over the course of the six months that I was working down in Atlanta in different ways. But I noticed a very big shift and that that relationship is really important that production studio and where the COVID team falls in that can make a big difference. Absolutely. I mean, again, uh, my understanding from the AD who started the pilot is that uh, she felt like she wasn't necessarily getting what she needed from the COVID team. And that because it was such a separate entity that she wasn't able to put in place the, the restrictions and really have those conversations that needed to be happening um, in order to keep everybody safe. And uh, then she also had the pressure from um, above in terms of making their days. And because when they were doing what she felt like they needed to do to be safe, they said, no, you need to go faster. You need to figure out a better way. Um, and so she was really stuck between this rock and a hard place. Um, again, cause she wasn't getting the support she needed from the COVID team. It wasn't set up in the way that she felt could work. Um, and uh, we kind of had a whole reimagining after the pilot um, and we've started production now um, on the series. And I feel like, Unfortunately, because of that, but thankfully, due to her help and kind of pointing out those holes, um, we were able to get to a better place with our COVID department. And because it's in a such a separate world, it's the Warner Brothers chain of command, as you said, Skid, that we were able to kind of bring it together and uh, give them more control over set and give them more power to help me and help the crew keep us safe. Um, so unfortunately, I think in the pilot, they had to go through that uh, tough period where we saw things really weren't working the way they were set up to get us to a place where now uh, I feel like we're in a much stronger place where the COVID team has much more power than they did necessarily in the pilot to help keep production safe. I, I was just, I wanted to emphasize uh, to Emily's point, that's exactly what I was really paranoid about. And, you know, Chris, you have a, you've been working this producing team for a while now, right? So you have a, a great rapport. Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, in the stuff that I was doing, a lot of, I've been doing a lot of alternative comedy, you know, for, you know, um, Adult Swim, FX. Mm -hmm. I'm bouncing around different producing teams who are younger, not as experienced. And I feel like they don't necessarily have the same appreciation for, how the ADs run the teams the way older producing teams do. And I just right. wasn't, I just didn't want to deal with having that burden as, as Emily kind of talked about with your, your friend on the pilot, you know, that's just like, 
what the, the pressure of having to make your days right right and then also deal with the code when you wanted to be safe i always feel safety is something that we all talk about we're the safety officers but you know in my years of studio production i always feel like oh it's safety to protect the studio from liability as opposed to safety to really protect the crew yeah. right i mean you know emily brought up a good point it's like once i got my COVID team once i empowered them and they once I said, it's okay, you can say this, you know, take charge. I mean, I, my, Paul Marks and Blair Skinner, our producer and production managers, uh, uh, they, they really set me up. And Christy Frankenheimer, our COVID compliance uh, officers, they really set us up really good. I mean, all the tents, all the stuff, we really had great vision of all that. They just didn't have like, you know, most of the people on my COVID team came from like locations security craft service you know they weren't like the kind of like go take charge you know, like step above everybody and say go do this and she they just didn't have the guts to kind of do it and once i kind of empowered these two kids on the set with just making sure we squirting our hands with the stuff and 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 wiping everything down and one kid watched the cast what they touched and one kid watched the crew what they touched and once i let them kind of do that and let them have control of like make sure everybody's got their shield down and all this kind of stuff. I mean, we, in November, we went to all N95 and most of us double masked after that. And then we all shielded in the red zone, regardless if they had, the actors had their mask on or not. We gave up the six foot. We just did because once we realized if you double mask and shield, you're pretty much, the six foot's really not, I mean, it's there and it's a great thing, but that's for like, if you're not have anything on, you know? So that made us work more efficiently as well but they gave us another day to do our shows they gave us covid time they gave us extra time so i never felt pressure like and if i ever felt like they're gonna like i'm not gonna make my day because of covid then that's the way it is because we're being safe first and that was they never pressured me about that because i made it clear to them that what you know what's important and that but i've been with my guys i don't know emily you know i've been with the two producers and directors i've been with them couple of years now and and so they they would hope that i took care of the crew like that and they would hope that i stood stood for them because you know they're very you know they're humanitarians as well too and they don't want anybody for god's sake you know will take a little more time to do it but but i have to say i'm i'm really proud of how i kind of evolved as a covid person and just like i took care of my people on set and i feel like i really did a good job with that and nobody got sick that when i was out there and and the fact that we kind of like you know, what my, my producer set me up with and that all the stuff that we had available for us, we had plenty of, you know, PP, we had plenty of stuff for everybody. Any kind of, you want a certain kind of shield, we'll buy it for you. You want a certain kind, anything we'll do, all that stuff was like available, tons of stuff we have. And the testing, you know, we have eight testing machines and that helped us out with like getting things done. But, you know, it, it really helped having that support. I mean, I, I just had to put it kind of like, turn it on really. I just had to like get it really revved up. And then in, now it's like, I walk on set and you know, my Molly's like, okay, you have an hour in this Saturday, you have 45 minutes and she counts it down. Everybody goes in and out. We can, I can, the other day I had a hundred people on the set at this bar. We would get everybody in and out and like, and spray the place down and everything. And like 12 minutes it took me to get everybody out, spray it, set it, and then come back in. I mean, and this, everybody knew that that's part of the day, you know what I mean? So but I'm, I can't wait for it to be over, I have to say. My ears, my face, it's just, I'm just done. 
with it all and, and ready to just not have COVID as a, as a, as a tool on my set, really, you know. That might be a wrong, wow, Chris. Yeah, that's, uh, we're all struggling with that, but. Um, but no, I want to say that my, I've been very fortunate that, that all my producers have also been incredibly, incredibly supportive. Uh, Bonnie Muniz, who's uh, my line producer on Sex Lives of College Girls. It's a constant conversation we're having about how we can keep people safe, how we can make, and she's, she's been great about, you know, making sure that our COVID department, it does have the capability and, and we are doing what we need to do to keep people safe and that everybody's got the appropriate PPE. And it's never been a yeah. fight about that. That's never yeah. been a thing. And uh, Chip uh, Busevich, who was on um, Mythic Quest, again, anything, any department needed, whatever we needed to do to keep the crew safe, that was always of the utmost uh, priority as we were trying to figure out how to make it work. It was just, you know, how we find the best way, as Chris said, to be safe and make our days and, you know, yeah. do, do what we need to do. So. Yeah. Well, if you're with, are you with Chip right now? I, I, I work with Chip and he's, he's a wonderful producer and he's definitely going to take care of everybody. You know, that guy's great. Really great producer. Really yeah, great. no, it, it was amazing that he was with us for that whole ride on Mythic Quest last year and, and yeah. definitely having that type of person there yeah. uh, to support you. It made, made the entire difference. Yeah, it does. I mean, you, you have to, people have to care for people. Yeah. I think one of the challenges is that so many shows did go back to production very, very quickly. Um, not saying that it's unsafe or disaster, but I think it made it harder than it needed to be because the COVID expertise was not widespread. We've talked about the little things that it takes to build an effective COVID team, but it wasn't like they were, you know, sitting in the wings waiting for something like this to happen. It really had to build from scratch, but so many shows, I think in the studios particularly were afraid of, not having material when there was such demand for um, new programs and such that there was just a lot of pressure to stand up really quickly and that those relationships had to evolve. I think it points to your early troubles, Chris. I think um, the challenges of figuring out from the beginning. Do you guys think that settled down? I, mean, I, I think yeah. I project that we're probably talking the rest of the year, the calendar year for sure, yeah. if not into 2022, that we're going to be dealing with this. Yeah. I mean, it's a bummer that we have to keep playing along, but I, I've, utmost confidence now that I can uh, with just a few simple things really. And it's, it, I mean, obviously we, everybody overthought it at first cause we just didn't know how to, how far to take it. But once we double mast and shield all the time, it's like, you're, you, you know, it's, there's just a few things that you have to really keep an eye on and then, and you can really get things done. I mean, you really could film. I mean, we were, our show, it, you would never know that it was filmed in COVID. We, we have, you know, hugging, kissing, everything's happening in our show. It's like, I, I say it's like a period show because we're, you know, 2019, it's like a period piece because there's nothing COVID at all. And then you see shows on TV, they're like, everybody's, you know, acting with masks on and it's this, it's this odd, I don't know. Well, let's talk about some of the specific AD challenges that have been affected by the uh, presence of COVID. Chris, you started to talk earlier about the system you set up for background. Lots of testing, but say more about the, the color coding of folks actually on set. And again, right. how you manage to, to plan for 100 people on set uh, in these times. Well, yeah, I do a college, I mean, I do a high school, you know, drama. So uh, we're at Pasadena High School. It's a very large quad and, you know, 35, 40 people wouldn't, it's not going to cut it for us. So uh, Christy Frankenheimer, um, our COVID compliance uh, coordinator, she can, devise this thing that uh, we do blocks of 10 
uh, background has a different mask color mask on so we can see all, all the blocks clearly when they have their masks on. And then we pod them into sections that they don't cross other pods. And then we have one section that walks between them but doesn't connect with them. I mean, uh, Abron, my second, uh, second who's on set, rocks with this, but you know, he keeps everybody separate. But, and then, so nobody interacts. So really our pods are much smaller, even though we have a hundred, really we just have pods of 10. So nobody interacts. I mean, you just have to kind of get the lines closed, but we've managed to look like our quad is full and, and we keep people separated. And then, you know, it's just a matter of just keeping them separated beyond that. We do keep, you know, all the background six feet when we, you know, do that. And when I say, you know, like on everybody, it's a set, you know, in the hot zone, I'll say going hot, please take your masks off. When that happens, within 25 feet of the actors, no act, this is one of the things that I've devised that no background talks, doesn't even panic. I don't want any kind of, any kind of breath coming out of their mouth by our actors. And it, you don't really notice that. You're not going to need notice if an actor extra is not talking, but it just kind of keeps the breath from, just kind of keeps the breath around them clear as well too. And then, you know, once we say, you know, cut, everybody's put their mask back on. We could clearly see they're all in their pods. But they eat lunch in their pods. They get ready in their pods. And that really helped us get more people out there. You bring up another point with actors. And I like uh, anybody can weigh in on this, but a lot of the protocols are designed. I think it's fair to say the first priority being the actors, not only because you lose an actor, you get shut down, but also because they're at the most risk, masks off, interacting with each other um, in that space. However, given the history of Hollywood uh, and the production that we do, actors are also the folks who often think the rules don't apply to them. And I'm wondering if you guys see those kind of tensions or is actors' concern for their safety outweigh the sort of, I don't need a mask or I don't need to show up early or I don't need to get tested three days. Anyway, the kind of objections that under normal circumstances, the production would accommodate the actor as best they could. This is a little tighter though, because we're talking about COVID. I was fortunate, uh, our number one actress, Martha Plimpton, was one of the people that were tested, I mean, got the got a vaccine done at an early time when she was like, they were just testing it. So she had a vaccine already. And all the kids that we have, the seven ensemble, they're scared to death of COVID and they keep in their little bubble. So that was, I was really lucky with that. And everybody, I mean, they, they love the fact that we take, took great care of them on the set. They really love that. I, I didn't have any trouble at all. You know, I have had some interesting issues uh, hiring actors on my independent stuff because we would get an actor that, let's say, for example, we needed on Tuesday, but then he was going to be working on a, a Netflix show on Thursday. And then I couldn't hire him because he had to go get tested for that show. And then I was going to reschedule him to do uh, another day, but he was also going to do a Warner Brothers show and they weren't accepting the stuff, the testing for the Netflix show. So I thought that was interesting. And it was like, I, I couldn't even imagine having to deal with the, you know, the three day spacing to deal with actors. And, you know, there was another situation on the, sh on the show that I was going to come back to Dave, the FX comedy. I was, I knew that it was going to be a shit show and um, they, they, they shut down for COVID twice. One of them because of, of an actor, he had gone to a party and, you know, they saw that he went to a party and on, they saw him on a, on an Instagram story and he came back, nobody said anything, but it was like, yeah, you can't control those guys. You know, it was, it was a, and it was a show about rappers. So it was just the, you know, I just, 
what didn't want to come back to that kind of thing. So um, on Mythic Quest, um, we were very fortunate again, as we we're coming back at the beginning of the pandemic and, and uh, it really is like a family over there. Uh, we were in a second season, which I think helps a lot too, but our cast was very, very, very um, concerned about COVID and uh, Rob McElhenney, who's our showrunner, who also acts on the show. Um, again, that was a high top priority for him. Uh, they rewrote a lot of the scripts in order to keep everybody safer. Um, we had some big background scenes that he put outside to keep us safe. They were originally inside. He put them exterior and, um, or he, he really had the writers reduce any thing that we needed to in terms of, um, you know, that would have had the background that would have put our, our actors greater at risk. But um, Murray uh, Abraham, who is in uh, his late seventies, early eighties is one of our actors. So obviously we had that as a concern, trying to keep him safe, especially as he's in the super high risk category. Um, but our actors were great. They were wonderful in terms of just really wanting to be safe. And they were very on board with uh, testing and just, you know, making sure that they were doing everything that they could to to keep safe. And again, like Chris said, they really appreciated all of our efforts in order to keep them that way. The new show I'm on um, has a lot of younger actors. And I think as the pandemic has gone on, I, I'm still learning them. They're all lovely ladies, but I think, again, some of them have different ideas of what is safe. Um, and of course, we haven't had a lot of those discussions, but just even on set, you know, they're, they're younger. And so they they do things that they're not thinking about in terms of COVID safety. Like they're all from musical theater. And so they all like to come to set and sing. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> no, no, we cannot sing. on. I love singing. I would normally encourage that on a comedy, but we can't do that right now. <laughs> um, so it's stuff like that where they're, I don't think they're intentionally not trying to be safe, but they, it just doesn't occur to them because they're just, they're younger and they, they're not thinking it through. And that's not all of them. There's certain ones that are, worse culprits than others but it's definitely conversations that we've had to keep having with them about it you know um in terms of hey guys we're, we're not only trying to keep you safe but we're trying to keep our crew safe too so i know this is a inconvenient but we we need you to make a different acting choice or we need you to you know help us out here so it's definitely a challenge and i think again it just depends on who your actors are and and where their headspace is at in terms of covid and their understanding of the disease where do you guys think we're going to go as far as the shorter days? I know one of the big pushes in the beginning, both with the additional um, work of the mass and just the, in general, shooting 10 hours, walking lunches, getting the day done, getting separate. But there was some talk that that might even stick around. I'm already seeing that shift away. Very few shows are still doing that. What do you guys think the evolution is on, on the workday itself? I, I, I mean, truly it is going to 10 hours. I mean, remember the, all the 16s, you know, I mean, ridiculous, right? But it's about the DP, really. I mean, you could, it's, if they don't give you extra time to do your COVID compliance, then, you know, we've got two DPs on our show and they're, they're both wonderful. And one is, loves to still light, you know, put stands up light, bring lights into the rooms and light from the floor. I'm working with a guy uh, that lights from the ceiling or just naturally. So we just fly along, sort of like eight to 10 hour days. And then with the same crew, the other AD, the other DPs, 10 to 12, 13 hour days. It, it really depends on that still. That's a big part of, at least for us in television, that's a huge part of your day is how fast is that guy and how, you know, what cameras do you have and what can you get away with? 
you know, I, I don't slow down. COVID really right now does not manage my day at all. We've got that under control. It's basically just back to what everybody deals with. And that's how much you want to, you know, set up each shot and how long you want to take to set it up. Um, on our shows, yeah, I think uh, part of it depends on the DP. And it, it, again, it also depends on the sets you're working with. On Mythic Quest, um, we had some, our bullpen is huge. It's large. We were dealing with a core background, um, which we've now instituted on on Sex Lives with College Girls, too, to try to keep our, our actors safe. And those are the only people allowed within six feet of them. They're on the same testing cadence as a the crew. They're getting tested daily. Um, they're part of our family. And we kind of keep hammering that home to try to keep everybody safe. But again, uh, we were able to work a little bit more freely on Mythic Quest because of the size of our sets. Uh, our sets on Sex Lives of College Girls are, are very small. Um, it was something, uh, Mindy Kaling's our other showrunner. Um, we had the built them bigger, but she felt it didn't work that it it felt wrong for the set. So our, um, our production designer redesigned them so that they're, they're much smaller now. Um, but obviously that makes it much more difficult to light in this environment and to be in there because our occupancy is eight in a lot of them. Some of them are four, some of them are two. <laughs> so in order to keep safe, uh, our, again, Rick Page is, is fabulous, but he's kind of got his hands tied in terms of how many we, people we can put in there at any given time to light. Um, luckily, they've given us a couple extra days in our schedule so that we can adjust for that, um, which has been awesome. And um, it's definitely been a challenge in, in that sense in terms of, again, but it, it Rick uh, does a great job of kind of, we've we figured out a flow. So we have these three different stages where um, first stage is the camera operators are in with our set dressers. We get the room set. We kick them out. Stage two, we have Grip and Electric in there. They do their thing, uh, taking turns or working as needed within the occupancy limits of the room. And then we kick them out. We bring camera back and our stand-ins in to do our final adjustments along with sound. Um, so again, it's a longer process, which stretches out our day. Um, we're trying to keep it to 10 or 11, but just because of the nature of, of the beast right now, it's it's been stretching out to 12. So again, I'm I'm hoping that we can get back to the 10 hour, 11 hour, but kind of what I've seen, and even on Mythic Quest sometimes, uh, we were stretching into the, the 12 hour pieces, just depending on COVID and, you know, how complicated uh, the days were in order to, to make our days. So we'll wow. see how it goes. <laughs> That's interesting that you still do the, you know, we started like that where we let certain people into the room and then they have to clear out. We, we just stopped all that once we went to double masking and shielding. It just, I don't know, our, our, our lady said that it doesn't matter. Once you have that, you're so you're about as secure as you can be. And so we, you know, I mean, obviously we wipe everything down, but we didn't, we stopped kind of like doing all that. And plus the DP that I have doesn't light. So it's like, there's only just like a camera rehearsal and we just start filming. But it's interesting that you still kind of hold that compliance in that direction. It's, it's interesting like that. Hmm. Emily, is that a Warner Brothers thing or is that? I think it's more of, again, uh, Rick is incredibly concerned as I am with safety mm, and it's yeah. the size of our sets in terms of occupancy. That's really, really informing that. Um, on Mythic Quest, uh, Chris, we were working much more like you were saying. And again, um, Sita, who was running that show, we had a lot of discussions and he came to set. Uh, Dr. Fung was great in terms of just, you know, looking at the situation, calculating the airspace, mm. how circulation yeah. was happening making sure everybody was masked appropriately and saying, okay, again, like I said before, we had this safety level, this is where we are and everything else was 
layers on top of that. And so yeah. deciding when we could peel off the layers for efficiency yeah. so that we could get out in 10 hours. So on Mythic Quest, and again, our sets were a lot larger. Mm -hmm. We were able to, like you said, everybody was kind of working together in a, a normal way, but that was the determination made by our COVID department there. Right. And us, yeah. yeah um, and I think, again, we're still a little gun shy coming off the pilot where they were shooting right at the height of COVID in January when cases were the worst. And we mm -hmm. had an uh, unfortunate incident where a lot of our crew was taken out in quarantine because um, we were trying to work in the way that was more natural in terms of more people in the space. And the set was so small that you couldn't get the six feet in, in terms of the right. contact tracing with 15 minutes of contact over the course of the day. Uh, I think now we're, we're kind of gone to the far end of the mm -hmm. spectrum in terms of making sure that never happens again, because Warner Brothers really, again, in terms of their COVID thing, they right. never want more than five people taken out uh, from yeah. close contact from any case. So I think that's kind of been the, we went from them trying to work that way, which in terms of everybody working together to make the days go faster to right. kind of compensating the other way because of the size of the sets. So. Right. I, I wanted also one thing just to reiterate what Emily was saying. We also had a group of 20 kids that we tested the whole season that were the background around the actors all the time too, which made the actors feel much more comfortable that knowing that we kind of took care of them in that respect too, that the flow around them was the, our regular folks. And I mean, all that stuff, all that stuff matters. It really does. I mean, and any, you know, I would never knock, like if I went on to another show and, and they did it a different way, I said, oh no, you gotta do it like this. I like, whatever makes everybody happy and safe and feel comfortable, that's what's gonna happen. I mean, whatever that is, I mean, whatever. We've gotten to a place since we never really tested positive out, we never positive out on the, on the red that we kind of got in this place because we've been doing it for six months together. So it's kind of refined it and took, you know, slimmed it down a little bit, but I could see like starting up another show and you have to, you know, everything's different. And it is on how everybody feels about it too. You have to, I mean, we, we, we I took the temperature of the crew every day about how's everything feeling? If you want to step out, if you want to, if this isn't, uh, you know, enough time or too much time for you, let us know. And, and that just showing that respect and showing that you care for everybody is a big part of it as well. And so you'd say, check the temperature in the sense of checking their attitudes where you literally also yeah. taking the temperature every day. Cause that's been <laughs> yeah, you're, different supposed sets. To. <laughs> you're supposed to every day when you do your little thing in the morning, you take a temperature and you clock in, man. But no, I definitely would just, you know, especially with my, you know, the keys, you know, we kind of talk, how's everybody doing, how we feeling, you know, what's, you know, we're going to be in this room. We had a six days at we were at this place called hamburger Joe's on Magnolia Avenue in Burbank. When we had six days where I had a hundred people in there and, we decided every 45 minutes we're walking everybody out and we're spraying down. And, and then I made a big announcement. If anybody feels uncomfortable, please step out. We'll find a nice space for you. But you know, you got to just let everybody know that we're there for you and you just got to just, you know, that's the big, big thing. And then everybody gets comfortable with it. But I think that's one of the challenges of it, that it's not like shooting in space where if you make a mistake, you're going to die. And it's yeah. going to be very obvious that you made the mistake because there's this sort of area of, did you catch COVID in that moment or not? Consequentially, attitudes and uh, perception becomes a huge part of the equation for actually getting the work done. To your point, Chris. Early on, you know, we had a locker room scene where we kind of shut the windows up and put some smoke in there, atmosphere smoke. And, you know, I knew better. And, uh, you know, that haunted me for like the seven days we tested out of that. And then nobody got, but I never let that happen again. And I never let the smoke and I never let anybody kind of talk to me. But that was my AD part that 
kind of like let that happen instead of saying, no, we shouldn't shut the windows. And at the time, smoke was not a good thing. Now they realize that that doesn't really matter that we found out. But at the time it was like no smoke because that that holds the, you know, the virus in the air and carries it. But now we find out that the smoke that we use, the virus is heavier than the smoke to be. So it doesn't really manage. But still, you know, you got to just be careful. What other evolutions have you guys seen over time or extrapolating from that? Where do you guys think it's going as far as the managing the set or just sort of the set work in general? I think as uh, COVID cases go down, I'm, I mean, I'm hoping to return. I think the mask wearing is going to be uh, a thing for at least the next year or two, just as a, even if we're not doing the KN95s, uh, even if it's just double masking or having some sort of face covering on, I think that's probably going to continue at least through 2022. Um, I'm hopeful that as cases continue to go down and, and people are vaccinated that um, people feel more comfortable and more confident in terms of maybe not having to wear the face shields all the time because, you know, that's great, but it's also uncomfortable and it affects the lighting and it affects people being, you know, operators being able to operate and everything else. So I'm hoping that, again, that ends up going away and that people are just, as Chris was saying, a lot of it is kind of the temperature of the crew and how people are feeling and how people feel safe because we've been dealing with trying to get a lot of background in small spaces as well. And so how we can accommodate the crew and make sure everybody's feeling good and comfortable and knows kind of like we rapid test all the background on days they work, especially on the big groups that aren't our, our core again, just to give everybody that extra sense of, of safety. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, as the year progresses and people are vaccinated that we can get a little bit more back to normalcy in terms of just crew still staying safe, but just feeling more confident, more comfortable that the risk is, is very low and that we can kind of get back to, to the general flow of, of how it was beforehand. Well, here's hoping on that. Uh, at the very least, we'll be ready for the next pandemic, whatever, whatever, whatever virus. Oh yeah. Next no, year is its ugly head, but I'm uh, ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks everybody for hopping on today. It was great uh, covering this with you guys. Good luck on your shows. Plan to come back and tell us about how things run. Good seeing everybody. Thanks. Listeners, thanks for sticking with us. If you've got feedback, I always welcome it. You can send email comments to skid, S-K-I-D, at blowthelineoneword.biz. That's B-I-Z. Please rate us wherever you get your podcast. It helps us reach new listeners. And new listeners, I'd encourage you to peruse our past seasons. See if anything else sparks your interest. An easy way to do that is by visiting the website, blowthelineoneword.biz. If you're on Facebook, you can find photos and other behind-the-scenes materials at Podcast Below the Line. And finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. It's at PodMobile. Thanks to Curtis Five for our music and John Juan for our logo. The logo is available on t-shirts, mugs, and stickers at redbubble.com. Once again, thanks for listening. Be safe out there.